Amen. The only thing that is more powerful than a lie is the truth. Today we're going to share with you a message entitled Truth Declarations from Romans chapter 8, uh, 28 through 37. Last week I mentioned Pastor Craig Rochelle and his testimony uh, recorded in his book, Winning the War uh, in Your Mind talked about how he had only been married uh, just a couple of years. He had finished up his bachelor's degree, which is no small feat, by the way. If you finished a bachelor's degree, that is quite an accomplishment. And he did. And now he was married. He was enrolled in seminary, Woo! halfway through seminary. And it was time. I remember that time in my life when I was uh, in seminary, and that big day came when I was ordained to the gospel ministry, where you come into a room, and there are people asking you questions, and they're examining you, whether they are going to officially ordain you to the ministry. And so Craig Rochelle was pretty excited about this. He was sitting there, and, and they started asking him questions, and he said, well, I, I, you know, I answered them the, the, the best I could. And then after it was over, they called me back in the room, and they said, well, uh, here's, here's the news. We don't, we don't know how really how to say it. We'll just go ahead and say it. You failed. We can't ordain you uh, to the gospel ministry. You, you don't have what it takes. So I know you finished your college, and I know you're halfway through seminary, but you may want to reconsider your life's choices. He gets in the car, true story. He's driving. You ever been devastated by news like that? He's crying. He's, he's, in the questions, he, he says, the voices are roaring loudly. You are not enough. You will never be enough. You will never measure up. Just playing record over and over. And this message he kept ringing loudly in his ears. You don't have what it takes. You just don't have what it takes. And then he picks up the story with these words. Driving home in my red geo prism. Anybody know what that is? <laughs> uh, I felt dejected, embarrassed, and I was angry, devastated. How can I explain to my wife that I did not make the cut? How can I face my pastor, my friends, my classmates? The church where I served, the tears flowed as every possible negative, negative thought played on repeat, but then a strange thing happened. Suddenly, a different voice interrupted the others. And God spoke. He spoke to me. While not audible, the words somehow seemed louder than any physical voice I had ever heard. In that moment, my heavenly Father said, you are not what others say you are. You are who I say that you are, and I say that you're called to ministry. Bam. He said it changed him, changed his life, because he exchanged the lies for the truth. Today is the second in a series of messages I'm preaching here at Great Hills called Winning the Battle uh, in Your Mind. I'm so grateful. So many of you have, never have I had so much positive and encouraging K-Love news. It's just been a blessing to hear um, and being a person of words, thank you. I, I know it's spoken to your heart as it's spoken to my heart. And I'm so glad, so grateful uh, to God. 
I do say, though, that I am not telling you, do as I say, but not as I do. I'm really in this with you. I'm trying to say, do this, and I'm not only telling you to do this, but I'm also telling my own self, my own life, as I have my own similar battles like many of you do. The series is going to follow a similar pattern. There's going to be a, a focal point, a passage of Scripture. Last week, it was Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. I hope you've committed that to memory. If you haven't, please try. Try really hard because it could be the very lifeline that you've been looking for. Now, Romans chapter 8 is a phenomenal passage of Scripture. It's an incredible chapter. And we're going to look at verses 30, uh, 28 through 37. Also, we're going to look at different stories. I'm going to share some of my story and some of the battles that I've had to overcome, some of the lies that have been told me and how I've had to wrestle through those and replace those lies with the affirmation, the affirming voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks through his word. And then finally today, we're going to close out with some truth declarations, some real practical things uh, that I think you can take home with you and put into practice as I've been doing myself. Now, some of you, I get it. You are in the, you're cruising in the sunshine of mental health, and I rejoice with you. That is a blessed thing. So many of you are like, mental health, depression, worry, fear. What, what is y'all's people's problem? <laughs> and I love you people. I do. I just, you're just happy. You're just in a good way. Or some of you have gone through the battle. You've come out on the other side, and you're like, look, whoo, praise God. I don't, have to, I don't have to deal with that like I used to. I have learned the, the key to exchange the lies with the truth of God and what God has to say about me and my circumstances, my past, my present, my future. I don't have to be, I don't have to give the enemy a seat at my mental table. I don't have to do that. I don't have to listen to his lies. I don't have to listen to the lies I tell myself. I don't have to listen to the lies that some people tell me. I just need to listen to the voice of God, the truth of God. Some of you have been able to do that, and I rejoice with you. Praise the Lord. Now, many of you, not so much. You're in the valley, and you need some guidance. You need a way out, and you're in the darkness. You know, the only thing greater than darkness is light. The only thing stronger than false, falsity, falsehood, is the truth. And so today, we're going to look at the Word of God, which aren't you glad we have the Bible <laughs> to be our guide? Thy Word, Lord, is a lamp unto my feet, is a light unto my path. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you're familiar with this passage of Scripture, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? And the truth shall... I'm sorry, I can't hear you. What? Thank you, Patrick. You're with me, brother. I hear you on the front row. Now, there are a few television shows that my wife and I, only a few, that, uh, that, that we tape, that we DVR them. FBI, SWAT. How do you not like Hondo? Come now. Hondo. <laughs> Survivor, 42nd season. We, we still tape Survivor. One of my favorite, and unfortunately, they, they have some shows that I actually can't watch. I have to turn them off. But it's called The Good Doctor. I don't know if anybody see The Good Doctor. There was an episode a few weeks ago where in The Good Doctor, this young lady, she's battling depression. She's battling uh, physical ailments, which are compounding her depression. Uh, her and her brother, they were young. She was like 12 years of age. Both her parents were killed suddenly. She had a brother, and it was just them two. 
But when she turned 18, she became a multimillionaire through a unique business that she had started. Now she's in her 20s. She spent most of that money on a lifestyle that was not very healthy. And she found herself in the hospital and the, and the neurosurgeon said, look, there is a controversial procedure that we can do for you. It has some risk. And if, and if you're open to it and you, you give us the consent, we will perform this surgery. And it caused this huge disruption between her brother and her. The brother, he, he just couldn't, he couldn't okay on it. And he had the legal right to veto it, and he did. He vetoed the surgery, and it caused this great conflict. Well, finally, they came to a peaceful, uh, amicable agreement, and she had the surgery. Man, I was on the edge of my seat. It's like, will this surgery work, or will it be a colossal failure? Because there was a great risk, and, and, and she had the surgery, and she opened her eyes, and she goes, what is that? I, there's something that's missing. What is this? What is that? And she goes, it's pain. Pain is missing. What I'm praying is that the Holy Spirit will take the scalpel of the Word of God and do surgery and help you so that you get to a place where you can say, what is that? I don't feel that anymore. Those, those demons are, are gone. What, what is this feeling I'm experiencing? Oh, it's no pain. Would that not be an awesome way to live? Would you believe me today if I told you that you could actually live that way? That I could actually live a pain-free, depressed-free, anxiety-phobia-free life? And it's all contained in this amazing book, The Word of God. Truth declarations, Romans chapter 8. Now, it's going to take us a few minutes, and what I want to do is I'm going to invite you to open your Bible, and when I read... I'll read a passage of Scripture, and then we'll stop there and just look at the truth of the Scripture, and then we'll pick back up in the Scripture, and we'll read some more. And some of you are like, this is going to be a long sermon. Well, I just got to be somewhere at 5 o'clock. I don't, I don't know what, I got to preach again at 5 o'clock. I don't, I don't know what y'all need to do, you know. Truth declarations. I'm going to share some truth with you today uh, that I have to remind myself in times of temptation, discouragement, or when I'm vulnerable to give way to destructive lives, lies. One of the most important things I can tell you today is this. For every lie, for every temptation to think something you should not, say or do something that you will regret, for each one of these, there's a truth from God that can overpower the temptation to sin with your mind, sin with your mouth, and sin with your actions. This is the most liberating and powerful thing that I could possibly share with you today. And it's in the Word of God. So as you get to Romans chapter 8, I'm going to share one more quick thing with you about a Geico commercial. Y'all ready for this? Those Geico commercials are, are pretty funny. Not as funny as the progressive insurance commercials. Have y'all seen the guy who's trying to help these younger people not become their parents? It is hilarious if you haven't seen it. Some of y'all are looking at me like, you're watching way too much uh, television. I really don't. I mean, I tape most everything I watch, I tape, even including golf tournaments. But there's this one Geico commercial that is funny, but it's crazy how accurate it is. There are these four teenagers, and they're in a, they're in a 
horror thriller movie, basically. And they're, they're, they got this crazy man who's going to run after them with an axe or with a gun or with a knife, and he's going to try to kill these four teenage kids. There's a car right there, and it has the keys in it, and it's actually running. And the, and the teenagers are like, oh, look, there's a car, and, and we can get in the car, and we can escape the, our killer. And one of the teenagers says, are you crazy? We're not going to get in that car. We need to run back into the barn and hide. And they do. They go back in the barn, and the killer behind them is shaking his head going, you bunch of idiots, you know. And I, I thought, man, that's kind of like me. There's a killer in the barn, and I walk into the barn and listen to the lies and the deceit and the discouragement, which leads me to anxiety and phobia and depression. But, but, but wait a minute, there, there's a vehicle over here, and it's running, and, it, and I can get in it, and it's called the Word of God. And if I just hop in it and let God's Word take me to a mental place of peace and joy and relief, ah, oh, the choice is so obvious. So here's the first truth declaration. It's Romans 8, 32, and it says, and we know that, or 28, and we know that some of the things in this, I'm sorry, am I, are y'all reading, the, make sure I'm reading the same Bible. And we know that, y'all gonna have to learn to talk back just a little bit better, all right? <laughs> all things, here we go. Work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed. Underline that word. Underline the word work and conformed. To the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, ooh, look at the way God looks at us. You, he predestined. You, he's already called. You, those he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he is also, what does that word say, y'all? Glorified. Isn't it cool the way God sees us? So often, we don't see ourselves like that. Work and conform are not easy. God works all things for our good. He conforms us to the image of his son. And that is, a, that is a process. And that is not easy. And some of you are in the conforming, working, difficult process of exchanging lies for truth. And it's hard. And if you're like me, and let me just confess this to you. If you're anything like me, you will have three steps forward and a couple of steps back. Anybody else relate to that? You, you, you do pretty good and then you're like, ugh. And you slip back into that. In truth, the first truth I want you to look at is, look, God's working. He's working all of this craziness for your good, for his glory. And it is going to astound you and amaze you the way this turns out. Why? Because God's true to his word. Now, I know you can't see it right now. You're like, there's nothing good coming out of this diagnosis of cancer. There's absolutely nothing's going to be good out of my teenager who's gone off the rails. There's nothing good about my job, my boss. I can't, I just can't see it. Let me, let me ask you this. Are you a child of God? Then he's going to take care of it. You say, how are you know? How, either God's lying or God's telling the truth. 
And I'm going to believe that he's telling the truth that all things work together for the good. For the good, for the good. That's a good song. I'm going to share it with you in just a moment. I just shared it a little bit then. I talked last week, and I'm going to share a little bit. Uh, now, take a deep breath because this is painful in, in some ways, but it's liberating in other ways. Um, on his deathbed, it was interesting. I saw both my dad and my father-in-law on their deathbeds. My father-in-law was in Dallas, Baylor, and I walked up those steps and walked into his room. Big Mike. I was closer to him than I was my own dad. He's 60. He's dying. He knows he's dying. He's dying of cancer. I have my Bible in my hand. And I go share and read the Word of God to him. And he makes a statement. It was one of those Old Testament, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac. It was one of those moments. He was speaking. He was going to speak a blessing over my life. I'm not going to tell you what he said until a little bit later. So let me back up and tell you some, some curses that is spoken in my life. Unfortunately, my, my dad would speak curses o over my life. And, and I know some of you had the same dad I did or the same um, circumstances. Have I forgiven my dad? Absolutely. What was there restoration and reconciliation before he died? Absolutely. Look, I've learned I have to forgive for my own good. Can I say that again? I have to forgive you when you wronged me. I had to forgive him when he wronged me. You have to forgive me when I wrong you because too much is at stake for you. God never intended us to live in this cage of unforgiveness and, and bitterness. So I graduate from college, <laughs> four years, and graduated from high school when I was 17, and I started college, I was real young, oh. and 21, I graduated from, from college. Ashley and I got married a couple days later. She just turned 20. What in the world were we thinking, you know? I mean, she literally just turned 20, and I turned 21. We go to seminary, not the cemetery, seminary, and I start studying. For three years, I was a custodian. I cleaned toilets. I cleaned and mopped floors. For three years, I gave my life to studying Greek and Hebrew and systematic theology and philosophy. And Ashley, she brought in the money. She was working. And I graduated. <laughs> After four years, now, a master's degree at the seminary, if you do the, what's called the MDiv, it's 96 hours. That's almost another bachelor's, right? And I finished, and I was so happy. And my dad, bless his soul. I know, please, please don't ever say what he said to me. He said, you know, son, you got your master's degree. But when you get that doctorate, then you'll really have some. No, no, he did. He, he told me that. And I thought, and I believed him. I mean, he's authority in my life. He's speaking truth, right? 
for the next five years, I studied. I entered the PhD program, which for me was no easy feat. I don't do ACT, SAT, GREs. I don't do those things. Not well at all. I get nervous and I don't do well. Took the GRE exam. I took the years of German. I took the test to get in. I had the GPA. I did the research paper. And they said, we will let you in on probation. Some of y'all are like, I didn't think you were that smart. Well, now you know, not. (laughs) We'll let you in on probation because of your dismal GRE exam. And I remember the PhD director looked across the table and he goes, what if you took it, I said, don't go there. He said, if you were to take it again, would you do any better? I said, look, that math score is not going to improve. I'm just telling you, it's, it is what it is. And I'm, he said, okay, we're still gonna let you in. And I graduated after five years. So four years college, four years master's, five years PhD. My dad never lived to see that. He died in 1992. I graduated in 1995. But in 2005, this is what my father-in-law said to me on his deathbed. He knows my life. He knows the things I've gone through. He said, I've shared this before at Great Hills, but I know we've had a, a few new people come since I've shared this. He said, Dan, you remind me of a pit bulldog. You have a rag in your mouth, you are shaking it violently, and you will not let go. And that is a good thing. When God says he works all things for good, he works all things for good. And I really couldn't get to the point of the pit dog mentality unless I had first walked through the valley of the shadow of death and the curses and the evil spoken into my life. So my point is, who's telling y'all that? Who's telling you you're overweight? You're never gonna lose weight. You're not gonna get married. There's reasons why, right? You're not good enough. You're not going to get that job. You're not going to, you're not going to do this. You're not smart enough. Now, if you were to, then you'd really have... Who, who's, who's, who among us is listening to that? Can I, ask, can I just say it like this? Stop. <laughs> Stop listening to that. That's the voice of darkness, the voice of lies. Listen to this voice. Hey, you're my child. I'm going to work it all out. Come on. I'm going to work it all out. It's going to be good. God takes our mess, the hurt we endure, even the poor choices we make, and he creates a message and a masterpiece from it. Truth number two, or verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is Romans 8, 31. Are y'all okay? Is this not amazing? Not the message, not Brother Danny's sermon, the Word of God. Listen to the truth being spoken over you today. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Wow. Paul acknowledges the oppositions that we all face, right? These things are against us. You have things, you have people, you have memories, you have circumstances, you have situations. Some of you are living them right now. They are against you. But God is for you. Abraham Lincoln was asked during the Civil War, whose side do you think God is on? Do you think God's on the north? Or do you think God is for the south? And Abraham Lincoln wisely replied, I'm not too concerned whose side God is on. I just want to make sure I'm on his side. Look, if you know Christ, you're on God's side. God loves you. God has a plan. God, he, he works his greatest masterpieces in the midst of our hurt and our pain and our difficulty and in the midst of our confusion. Why people say things to you that they do, I have no idea. Why does God allow certain things to happen in your life that are happening to you at this very moment? I don't really know, except I do know this. God is for you. And the greatest lie that the devil will ever tell you is that God's not for you. If God was for you, y'all with me? If God was really for you, you would not be going through this. Nothing could be further from the truth because the Bible says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And you, you, I just read the text. God demonstrated how he was for us. Did you see it in the text? Jesus died for us on the cross. He arose from the dead. That is, that is God shouting, I am for you. I love you. I gave my very best for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But God demonstrates his love toward you and me while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. I don't know how y'all spell love. That's, that's L-O-V-E. That is love. If you ever doubt the love of God, look to the cross. If you ever get confused and worried and fearful, and I don't know how this is going to turn out, look to the cross. God speaks, freely gives us all things. God's not holding out on us at all. A life of mental health, free of worry, free of anxiety, and fear and depression is a life that God offers. He really does. He offers it to us. Next truth is from verse 33. It says, who shall... Oh, Paul just gets... He goes off, y'all. He just starts preaching. Holy Spirit speaking, and Paul can't write it down fast enough. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? I can just see him. Mm -mm -mm. It is God who justifies us. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Furthermore, he's risen. He is at the right hand of God praying for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? Yes, it is written for your sake. We are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, but come on. However, 
In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Woo, I'm speaking truth over you today, church. You need to receive this, the Word of God. The Word of God. I knew all of these words except one. I did not know really what the word distress meant. I, I could probably get close to it till I looked it up in the original language, stenochorea. That word, and I shared this on Wednesday night, our prayer team, prayer group, we meet here. Uh, we only got a few more weeks we'll be doing this. We're gonna be meeting Wednesday night and the next two Wednesday nights. And then we're thinking about doing something pretty creative during the summer as far as prayer. But I shared with the group on Wednesday night and asked y'all to pray for me because they know I was going to be preaching the sermon and, and know what I'm about to share with you. I shared with them. The word distress means a narrowness of the mind, a narrow place, a narrowness of the room. And isn't that a great description of what happens to us mentally when we get in trouble? We, we get, it gets so narrow. Everything just gets closed in and all we can think about is what's against us or the problem that is before us. And the next thing you know, we, we invite the enemy of our souls up to the table where it should be just you and Jesus, right? You and Jesus are having dinner and here comes the evil one and he pulls up a, a chair and, and instead of you and I going, word of God, Jesus, take care of that. He's not welcome. We're like, oh, okay, well, come on in. Let, let's, let's talk. What, what have you got to say? Mistake. Don't let him in. That's, that's Louis Giglio's new book that I'm, I'm reading, loving it so much, called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Yet in all these things, what things? Doesn't matter. Paul's been pretty exhaustive, and there's a lot there that could be against us. Temptation, distress, tribulation, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, murder, people after us or our loved ones. I mean, they're... There's a lot of things that could go against you, but verse 37 says, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. There's a way out. It's the Word of God. Notice that for each challenge, there's a biblical truth to counter it. And I'm just going to walk you through these in my study. Bring a charge is met with God justifies. Condemn is overpowered with Jesus died. <laughs> He arose from the dead. He's praying for us. Separate is expounded upon by Paul giving us a list of the potential difficulties. And then he says, but we are hyper nikeo. If you're looking at verse 37 where the Bible says we are more than conquerors, those five words, it takes one Greek word. Hooper, which is on steroids, hyper nikeo. Now, Philip Knight, he grabbed that word and created a sports merchandise enterprise called Nike. That's where he got this word. Nikeo, Nike, means to overpower, to be victorious, and God allows us to do that. I don't minimize that the devil is against us. There are people that just do not like you or like me. I get that but they are not our enemy. Did you know that? Those people are not your enemy. They are not my enemy. We have an enemy, and it's called the devil. Can I speak some more truth to you? Our worth is not based on what our performance or what other people say of us. Your worth is based on what Jesus 
has done for you. If you grasp that, if I, if I grasp that, it is a game changer. It, it makes all the difference in the world. God justifies us. Jesus prays for us. Jesus makes us more than conquerors. We got to relish those truths, especially when bombarded with lies. Second thing I want to share with you today is declare these truths. We've looked at some truth declarations, but what if we could declare them and speak them into our lives? And this is what I want to do for the next few minutes that I have with you today. Number one, God is working, especially in the hard times. Some of you are looking at me and you're doubting me. You're like, I don't believe it. There's nothing, nothing good from this, but you're mistaken. God says, I am working. Can you see it? No. Are you omniscient? No. Can you see everything? No. Will you trust God that he is working even when you cannot see God? Here's the song for the good. For the good who can bend my burdens and make them beautiful. Who can bring the healing to the hurt I hold? Who else could part the waters when I'm needing a way? Though I'm walking through the valley, I'll believe it when you say, for the good, for the good. You work all things together for the good. Your promise stands forever. You alone are my greatest hope. I trust you on the broken road. Woo, come now. I trust you, Riley Clemens says, on the broken road, God, because you're working all things together like only you could. There's some things in my life that, uh, that I'm having to go through right now, and I, I can't tell you what they are. It's only just a couple of people that know, and my wife is one of them. It's painful, it's hard, it's difficult. There's really no way out. You just gotta go through it. And, and it was a couple of Sundays ago, I think it was that Sunday, um, when, when I was just sharing with y'all my heart and just going, man, I, I'm just trying to b battle through this. And, and God and I were having a conversation. Y'all ever had conversations with God that go something like, you got to help me here. What in the world, Lord? Take care of this. Remove this now, God, please, now. And I'm telling you, Great Hills Baptist Church, and I'll share this with Connect Church tonight, the Holy Spirit of God spoke to me. And he only had to say one word, but I knew immediately what he was talking about. And here's what the Holy Spirit said, nevertheless. Y'all remember when Jesus was in the garden? You remember three times he said, God, please, if it be your will, take this cross. Is that in the Bible? Yes, it's in the Bible. Three times. But Jesus said what? Nevertheless. Then he died. But you know what happened after he died? He came back. In your life and in my life, there will be no resurrection, exaltation, coronation until there's a crucifixion. And so I'm like, God, take it, relieve it. Lord, it would just give me such mental peace and help. And then the Holy Spirit says, I got it. Trust me. Trust me. You don't need to raise your hand, but I'm just, I'm just interested. I'm curious. Is there anybody else 
like that. Anybody here walking through a valley and you can't see the end and you hear God say, I'm working. Not just even in the bad times, are you with me? Especially in the hard times. Number two, um, second truth I want to share with you is you are winning. And some of you are like, <laughs> some of you almost laughed out loud. I, heard, I felt it. <laughs> yeah, right, winning. No, you're winning. You're here today. How many of you took a Herculean effort just to get here today? And the hands went up everywhere. Would y'all believe me that most Sundays it takes a Herculean effort for me to get here? Well, don't you love us, Brother Danny? I mean, we're the sweetest thing since apple pie and bluebell ice cream. I mean, you, I bet you get up out of bed and just can't wait to. And no, it's it's not that at all. It's it's this struggle. There have been times when I would pull over the side of the road and say, God, do I have to go? Some of y'all are like, well, I just take that personal because I just think we're amazed. No, it doesn't have anything to do with you at all. It has to do with the devil that I fight every day. And that's my battle. The depression that, that, that tries to cloak, come, come over me. But God, y'all, I'm such a slow learner sometimes. I mean, he is through the Holy Spirit and my wife. I mean, they are just like fighting for me. They fight. They fight for my mind. And, and when I get in trouble, it's when, well, what good am I doing? After all, Lord, 70, 80% of the church is going to be empty when I get there. Anyhow, Lord, what difference are we making, Lord? And, and you're like, don't, don't tell yourself that. Don't listen to that. Thank you very much. That's what I'm trying not to do is listen to the voice of darkness. Listen to the voice of Jesus who says, hey, come on. I'm there. <laughs> Preach the word. I'm working in ways you cannot Imagine. So let me just say, you're winning, I'm winning, praise God. You're on the path to mental health and wholeness. The truths that you're learning will continue to liberate you. Satan is actually losing a grip on your mind, and he knows it. God is bringing you through turbulent waters, and he will position you safely on the other side. Your destiny is solid footing. If you have not, you will. You will realize that there's something missing in your life. It's pain. It's pain. Wow. What a great, glorious place to be. Number, th I guess my numbers are kind of messed up. Let me check. Oh, oh, oh. Number one was God is working. Number two, God is for you. Sorry about that, PowerPoint people. That's my fault. God is for you. We talked about that. Number three, you are winning. The last one is, oh, this is a, this is a big one. Keep toxic thoughts out and God's word in. Can I get an amen? amen. Keep toxic thoughts out and keep God's word in. Your mind, my mind is the place for God to reign and for us to have peace. It's not a place for toxic thoughts, harmful people, or unwanted guests. It's interesting how you and I have the power to let in our mind 
what we choose. Have y'all ever noticed that? Nobody forces us to think and dwell on things to worry about. That is totally between you and you, you know? You make that decision. I make that determination. Will I allow the toxicity of, of what he said or what she said or what they're doing? Or what, am I going to allow that to penetrate my mind or am I going to replace it with, you're going to keep me in perfect peace because my mind has stayed on you. I'm trusting in you, oh God, forever because you, God, are the everlasting strength. When you and I allow these toxic thoughts what we're doing is we, we've created these neural pathways. We, we have dug these ruts. And when you slip into that rut and I slip into it, you know it. And the only way to get out of that rut is to dig a trench around it and fill our minds with the word of God and remove ourselves from the rut. I heard on radio just this past week, um, I think it was Monday, Y'all know houses are selling like for a lot. Y'all notice that? You're like, yeah, but where am I going to live? You know, I was talking to this young couple up in the Santa Rita Ranch where we live, and they started coming to Connect Church. Uh, brilliant guy, PhD in mechanical engineering from Paris. He's he's a Parisian, not Paris, Texas, by the way. The other, the other one. And they said, well, we sold our house for twice what we paid for it. And now we're going to go find land and build a house. And, and that's kind of hard for us to do. So we're going to go rent a home in Pflugerville and start going to your main campus at Great Hills. Is that okay? I said, well, yes, that's okay. Now, we're all still one big family, so we will probably get them coming, coming here because they sold their house up there. Isn't that funny? Because most of the times it's people selling here. Well, anyhow, I digress. I'm watching or listening to the radio. There's a couple in Fairfax, Virginia. True story. I'm glad you're sitting down. Some of you will not believe this, but it's true. They sold their house for $805,000. That's way, way more than what they paid for it. But they listed the price of the home with this caveat. We have strangers that live in our basement. And whoever buys the house, you have to keep the strangers in the basement. They got five cash offers. They finally saw, they, this one family said, we buy, we'll take, who, who are the people? And the older guy says, don't rightly know but they live there. And they're like, where do they live? They're in the basement. And I'm thinking, serial killers? I'm thinking, what in, the, what in the heck is, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, they live there, and if you buy the house, they're gonna, I've already told them, I don't know a whole lot about them, but whoever I sell, it's in the contract. Buy the house, you get these, you get these people with you. Yeah, can I just say, I'm not buying that house. There's no way I would buy a house with people in that. Y'all got some unwanted strangers and guests in your mind. They don't belong there. They don't belong there. It's not what you pay for. <laughs> when Jesus died for you and arose from the dead and filled you with the Holy Spirit, he said, kick them out. They don't live there. Let them out. 
So, my invitation for you is uh, conclude is believe, receive Jesus into your life, repent, and be converted. And your sins will be blotted out. You'll receive the refreshing of the Lord, Acts 3.19. I implore you, I encourage you, those of you listening online, and I, I, it's, it's amazing. I don't know, probably five or 600 people are watching us right now. Isn't that crazy? And then we have about that many in the room. Can I just encourage you, if you haven't already, just say, Lord, I'm, I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and um, I just give you my life. I invite you to do that today. You say, well, what, what will I get if I do? You get it all. You get heaven, you get peace of mind, you get victory over sin. You get Jesus Christ living in you, praying for you. He's gonna walk you through every difficulty. And Will it be easy? No. <laughs> will it be worth it? Yes. Receive Christ today. I invite you to do that. How do you do that? You just pray. You say, Lord, I'm, I give you my life. In the Baptist tradition, we, we have the invitation. We have people up here. We'll receive you. We'll talk to you. We'll pray with you. Secondly is that some of you know God. I just want to encourage you to keep walking with God. Stay in the Word of God. Declare truth over falsity. And pray for one another. Pray for me. Pray as I drive to church on Sundays that God just fills my mind with joy and with peace and, and, and I fight these spiritual battles and, and let God just have his way and his will and just let him speak his truth to me and I'll pray the same for you. But I just can't overemphasize enough, guys. You are winning. You're here. And the devil just makes him spitting mad that you actually made it to the house of God with the people of God. Some of you need to come on and be a part of our church. I don't talk about this as much as I should. And I, let me say this. We have a, I met two people that are joining our church. One of them's from Kenya. One of them's from Nigeria. But none of them are from Austin. <laughs> we love you, Austin. We, we, we love our Austinites. And uh, it's usually the first Sunday of the month. You missed, you missed this one. But check us out in the future. We have a class called Discover Great Hills. You can come in, you can listen, you can learn, and you can become a part of our family. Father, we do thank you for your word. It's awesome. It is truth. Thank you, God, that you are for us, not against us. Thank you that you will work everything for our good and for your glory. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Lord, I know there are people in this room just like me. They, their, their struggle is real. Their proclivity and propensity towards depression is not a joke. It's a, it's a real deal. It's a battle. And I just thank you, Lord, that we're in the battle. That God, that victory is assured as we trust in Christ, as we rely on his word, as we rely on each other and get help. Ma'am, sir, get help. Lean into godly, biblical counsel and people that will love you and walk you through it, help you through it. Thank you, God, for those precious people in our church who are very trained and educated and, and they have such a heart and a passion for it. And thank you for believers who love you, who love your word, and they can just walk with people and encourage 
Lord, I know the devil loves us alone. Mm. He loves us alone. We're not supposed to be alone. Jesus is with us. He wants to walk with you. He wants to bring people in your life that will walk with you. And the only thing you gotta do is say, I'll take it. Now that's one thing we cannot do for you. We, we can't get in your mind and verbalize those words, I'll take it, but you can. I'm so good, I'm so, I tell you, I was so encouraged when I heard this week that many of you, many of you are reaching out for help. That's so awesome. During the invitation, Father, I pray for freedom and joy. As we're past the, the noon hour, I just uh, pray we wouldn't rush this time. Pray for healing and hope to be lavished upon every soul that would come forward. Do your work, oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.